actually if you're able and feel so inclined whether you're in the room or at home you could kneel and let us pray Lord Jesus we're in this space this morning because something inside us a moving of the Holy Spirit has stirred awake an awareness that this is the only place we can turn to this place that you have called us to this physical location but also this space that you are in relationship with us we can't get away from you Jesus there is no mountain too high and no valley too deep that you don't dwell with us in every corner of creation because you are the author and sustainer of all that was and all that is and all that will ever be so Holy Spirit as we kneel before you as we bow before you as we acknowledge this morning that you are God, three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that you have created us in your image, that we might be in relationship with you. We acknowledge this morning, this third Sunday of Lent, Lord, we acknowledge that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be, at least not from where we sit today. We look at the world around us. We see those who are dwelling in worn, torn places. We see those who have been marginalized and stigmatized. We see those who have been dehumanized. We, we know that within us, Lord, there is darkness and there is pain and there is grief and there is loss and things are not the way that they are supposed to be. So we bow before you this morning. We kneel before you this morning. We acknowledge this morning that we call upon your name, not because we are worthy to, not because we have somehow figured out how to live this life in a way that will steer us clear of pain and suffering and loss. We bow before you, we kneel before you, we prostrate ourselves before you this morning because we know that we are part of the problem. We know that the darkness that dwells in the world around us also dwells within us. So Lord, we pray that you will once again, by your Holy Spirit, awaken us to the reality that you are always redeeming and restoring. You are making things new, that you are the God who keeps your promises to your people, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And Lord, we pray that you will hasten the day, the day when all will be made right, the day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, when wars will be no more and rumors of war will be no more, when there will be no more crying or weeping. Lord, we pray that your kingdom will come and that your will will be done. And we thank you this morning for your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And it is my prayer that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts will be pleasing in your sight for you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Gary Hansen. I'm the pastor of care and teaching here at MDRC at the bridge, and I can't touch my toes. Am I alone in this? 
I've been following March Madness, right? I know I'm not alone in that. I know I'm not the only one who is paying attention to the reality that Coach K and, and Duke just made it to the Final Four last night. I've paid special attention because my sister really does not like Duke or Coach K. She's a huge North Carolina fan. So I'm hoping Coach K wins and that my sister will be miserable. But I pay attention to things like March Madness, and I, and I get competitive around sports because it's played a pretty significant part in my life. And I think of this morning in our Lenten journey as halftime. And if I wasn't a, a preacher and a pastor, chances are I would have been a teacher and a coach. And I have some appreciation for how important halftime can be, right? In, in the span of a season, you hear all these coaches talk about how the preparation that leads up to moments like making the Final Four and, and those times in the season when you had to push through adversities, those half times of our lives when, when we would rather not stretch and try and extend our abilities or show up to practice and do the things that make us uncomfortable. At least that's how I always felt about stretching, but thankfully, I've been told that we grow more limber as we age. So I'm hoping, who grows more limber as they age? Thank you. None of us do, right? I couldn't touch my toes when I was 18. I can barely make it to my knees now. As we grow, we actually get tighter. We actually find it harder to be flexible. We, we find it more uncomfortable to be stretched outside of our comfort zones, out of our paths of least resistance. But if today is halftime of Lent, then I think we're being led to a place, and I've spent this week preparing to challenge us, to stretch us into what Lent is all about, and Lent is not a comfortable place to dwell. You heard Corb remind us this morning that the only way to Easter is through the cross. And the cross is a, a grisly place. It's a hard scene. And we're going to hear a bit about what Jesus endured in preparation for the cross. We're, we're going to hear three passages. It's the same story, but it's recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So, you're going to hear this story in a way that I hope is honest, honest to the scene, honest to the account that, that is provided by those gospel writers. And as you hear the story, I'm going to invite you to do something that chances are it won't feel very comfortable. I'm going to invite you to whatever extent you're able to, to the fullest extent of your ability to imagine your way into these passages. Imagine your way into the story and imagine yourself, yourself as the high priest who we will hear from. Imagine yourself as a member of the crowd that we will hear from. Imagine yourself as, as one of the guards that we will hear about this morning. It's not going to be comfortable. It will stretch you. But hear the word of the Lord first from Matthew chapter 26. Then the high priest tore his clothes 
And he said, he spoke blasphemy. Why do we need to hear any more witnesses? Look, now you have heard his blasphemy. What do you think? He's worthy of death, they answered. Then they spit in his face and struck him with their fists. Others slapped him and said, prophesy to us, Messiah, who hit you? From Mark 14, they all condemned him as worthy of death. Then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, prophesy. And the guards took him and beat him. Luke 22. The men who were guarding Jesus began mocking and beating him. They blindfolded him and demanded him, prophesy, who hit you? And they said many other insulting things to him. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's not a comfortable scene. Your stomach turns a little bit as you imagine your way into this story, and if it doesn't, you're not paying attention. You're not investing into the account that these gospel writers, writers provide for us. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful that Scripture from beginning to end is honest. It's the most honest account of what it means to be a human being, a human being created in the image of God, created and invited into a relationship with the one who is willing to take on flesh and dwell among the people who from the very beginning turned their back on him. That's the fullness of this story that our first parents said in the beauty that was the Garden of Eden, said in that paradise, they said, nah, we can make it on our own. We can figure this out on our own, and ever since, there is within the human soul, from the very first breath we take, there is darkness and brokenness and the absence of relationship, the relationship that God desires to have with his people, with all people. So when we read a story like this, when we read this account of the, the high priests and the crowd, when we hear about spitting and mocking and beating, when our stomachs turn, there's an important question that needs to be asked. And it's an appropriate question to be asked during the third week of Lent, during this season that is set aside for those who follow Jesus, the one who went to the cross for you and I gathered in this space or worshiping online, wherever we are, it doesn't matter. Lent is all about being honest with ourselves, being completely honest with ourselves. And when we read the account of what happened to Jesus, we ask did Jesus love the high priest? Did Jesus love the, the guards who, who beat him and slapped him? Did Jesus love the, the members of the crowd, the mob that had formed, who cry out, prophesy to us? You're not so big now, are you? 
out of a place of deep insecurity, the high priest who had an understanding of how the world would work and this rogue rabbi from Galilee comes on the scene and all of a sudden people start following him and all of a sudden he feels threatened. He has no other tool in his toolbox than to proclaim that this is blasphemous. This is not the way it's supposed to work because it hasn't worked that way for generations. The high priest who was a follower of the law, a a faithful Jew. The the guards who were just doing their job, they were showing up, they they were providing for their family, they were just doing what their boss told them to do. Does Jesus love the high priest and the guard and the mob who who might have been made up of the same people, the very same people who heard Jesus as he preached and talked in Galilee, the same people who saw him heal people and speak words of of comfort and life. They turn on him in this scene. They turn on him as Jesus makes his way to the cross because something within them is threatened. Something within them feels so insecure in who they are that they lash out at Jesus. And this morning, you and I are invited to own, to own the reality that whatever was in the high priest, whatever was in those guards, whatever was in that mob is in you. I know it's in me. But that's hard to own, right? And maybe it's especially hard if you grew up in the church. I I grew up in the church. And from my earliest memories, I was told of Jesus who who loves me. On On the felt board, Jesus always looked very peaceful, very warm, very inviting. I sang Jesus loves me. And as I've grown older, I've recognized that that to be true and embraced it in ways that fill me with gratitude and appreciation, able to sing songs of praise, but at the exact same time I received messages from the people who were a part of the church I grew up in, people who were a part of, of the community I was raised in, and I think it's within this culture that we are all a part of the message that when it comes to anger, when it comes to frustration, when it comes to bitterness, when it comes to grief, when it comes to loss, you leave those at the door. We don't do such a good job of knowing what to do with those darker realities of what it means to be a human being. I'll speak for myself, but I I think that resonates within our culture. I think it's why why we so often turn to something like sports where there are rules and boundaries, but many of the sports that we turn to are violent in nature. Many of the ways in which as a culture we desire or attempt to give voice to violence within ourselves are not very healthy ways. And into that space this morning, Jesus says, to you and to me what he said by his action during that week that led up to his crucifixion 
He said it to the high priests. He said it to the guards. He said it to the crowd. Take that anger. Take that frustration. Take that fear. Take that insecurity and pour it on to me. Let me have it. It's not a message I've heard very often. It's not a message I've encouraged others to consider very often, but it's what this season is all about. If we're at halftime of what Lent is all about, then we cannot fast forward. We have to enter into that space because if we do not, if we look at the action of the high priests and the guards and the angry mob and say, they did that, I would never, then our anger and our frustration ends up getting poured out, getting poured out onto whoever they are in our lives, whoever we have dehumanized or objectified or marginalized. They are the problem. It's so tempting and so convenient rather than naming that the darkness that dwells within the human soul is a darkness that we all share. And when Jesus says, let me have it, pour that out on me, he means it. He says, let me have it because if you don't, it'll spill out onto others. You will be an agent of violence. You will be an agent of destruction. You might not want to be because it's out of your own hurt that you hurt others. Hurt people hurt people. And Jesus desires for you and, to, and for me to experience reconciliation, redemption, resurrection, and there's no way to resurrection that doesn't involve the cross, that doesn't involve a, a putting to death the parts of us that judge others, putting to death the parts of us that objectify others, putting to death the, the anger and the frustration that as much as you might want to convince yourself that that is not a part of who you are because you don't want it to be a part of who you are. Lent is about being honest. That darkness is a part of each and every one of us. So this week, in whatever fashion it might look like for you, if you remember back a, a few years, just two years ago, when, when we weren't sure what was going on this time of year and this COVID-19 pandemic would, would be over in a few months, we all hoped, right? Into that space, we set up over at the Meredith Drive campus a, a wall of lament, and we invited people to direct their frustration, their confusion at that wall out of this rich Old Testament teaching that, that people who are in relationship with God are honest about the things that are broken in this world and they direct it back towards God. This account that we have this morning is, is Jesus embodying that wall, embodying that sacrifice, embodying the ways in which the grisly realities of this world are not outside of God's awareness, 
are not outside of where Jesus desires to dwell. It took the form this past week because I knew if I was going to challenge you to enter this space during this week of Lent that I would need to go there myself. And, and I had a really, really hard time figuring out what that would look like, what that would feel like, because if I'm honest, I'm afraid of my own anger. I'm afraid of my own frustration, and I know that it pours out in ways that I hurt the people that I care about the most. And I frankly don't know how to do what I'm encouraging you to do. But I knew that it had to be an experience that I could share with you, and it came in the form of writing. It came in the form of of pouring out on paper, from pen to paper, words that I could never share with you. Into that space where Jesus is inviting us, and I felt invited by, by those eyes that look out only with love, saying, spit on me, mock me, beat me, into that space I couldn't imagine the anger and the frustration that poured onto those pages. I didn't even know I knew some of the phrases that flowed from my pen. And as I looked back at those words, as I experienced that moment, I knew that, that Jesus invites us into a place where our relationship with him is so much more than just saying thank you. It's good and right to say thank you for all that Christ has done, for who Christ is, but Jesus knows the darkness within us, and he desires for us to be honest about that. When we look in the mirror, that Jesus is not surprised, not surprised by the darkness within your life, even though you would rather that it wasn't a part of who you are. I don't remember a lot of sermons that I heard growing up, but there's one that I do remember. Pastor James Mascow at the First Reformed Church in Baldwin, Wisconsin, stood up to preach one morning, and he looked out at the congregation that my parents were a part of and I was a part of, and I was pretty little at the time. And he started off by simply saying this. He said, friends, don't kick the dog. And at the time, it was unsettling to hear, right? And now it's even unsettling to say, in part because I got an adorable pug and a, a really cute labradoodle at home. I love Walter and Finn, and the idea of kicking either one of them is something that turns my stomach, and rightly so, right? But I also know that I attempted to try and train Finn to, to be a well-behaved puppy. And in that experience, not only did I fail pretty miserably, but the temptation crossed my mind from time or two, not to maybe kick him, but I would get so angry with him. Our anger when things in life don't go the way that we think they should. Our frustration bubbles over and we, in our brokenness, in our hurt, we hurt the innocent. We hurt those who are a part of our lives. 
the safe spaces in our lives is where we lash out or we objectify someone who we have never met before and decide that they are the cause of all of our frustration, all of our anger, all of our pain. And it is never redeemed or restored. The only way for redemption and restoration of our brokenness is through Jesus. And that means this morning that Jesus loves the guards. Jesus loves the high priest. Jesus loves that angry mob. He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he says, take my yoke upon you. Take my yoke upon me, Jesus says. Bring your burdens to me. Bring your frustration to me. Let it out on me. So whatever that might look like for you this week, whatever that might require of you this week, the challenge of this Lenten season is to be honest with yourself and be honest with Jesus in a way that if it makes you uncomfortable, you're doing it right. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for Lent. I thank you for this time of year when you invite us into the fullness of a relationship with you that is deeper than we would ever begin to imagine. Into the fullness of a relationship with you where you wash us clean and restore us. Despite the fact that again and again and again, we turn away from you. And again and again and again, we, we try to make it on our own or say that we don't actually feel the way we feel and we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Lord, into the feelings that we stuff, into the emotions that we deny, into the spaces that are broken within us, I pray for restoration and redemption and resurrection. I thank you that we never journey alone and might we be a source of strength and encouragement to one another this week and beyond. As we bring to you, as we bring to your altar, all that we are, as you have created us and loved us into this very moment, we bless you and praise you. In your holy and precious name we pray, amen.